Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 1970 podcast. I'm your host, Ed, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mark Damon. Mark, pretty exciting day. We're watching uh, PSG take on Stade de Reims right now. It's, uh, we're in stoppage time in the second half. PSG are up 2-0. Lionel Messi made his debut in the 66th minute coming on for Neymar, which was a bit of a surprise. We're going to get into that game. We're going to talk about the Mbappe situation. We're going to talk about the Champions League draw. But let's just check in with you. How are you doing on this historical day? Um, it, it, it was nice to see Messi out there. I mean, there wasn't much he could do. I mean, he's just coming back from a month and a half of not playing a competitive match. So, you know, take take it for what it's worth. It's just cool to see him out there. And, and PSG seemed to have gotten the job done here. Uh, so far, three minutes to go. They've kept a clean sheet. First one of the year, which is, I think, a nice little confidence booster. So... Uh, I think things are going well, personally. I mean, I'm a little upset about a couple things here in, in, in our... Uh, I, I won't get into it, but um, yeah, I, I, I can't honestly complain. It's been an impressive performance from PSG. We do say that's a clean sheet. Reem did score, but that goal was called back. Um, the player was rightfully offside, so that was a good call by VAR. Uh, Mbappe with a brace. With everything that's going on, he comes out here, he scores a header, scores another really nice uh, goal, assist from Akraf Hakimi, who is just, I got to get a Hakimi jersey stat. Like, he is just, I love everything about him. I just think he is the best signing of the summer I know. And that's the summer where we got Messi. He's been playing well. The press from PSG has been impressive. Di Maria just turning back the clock. It's been a really nice performance. But again, the defense, a question mark again with the, the headers, uh, the aerial duels. They're, they're missing out. They're not playing very well on defense, and it's going to be a problem. Um, so let's just talk about the game. As we said, we're about three minutes into stoppage time. It looks like PSG are going to hold on to this one. Um, but what are you seeing? I've kind of mentioned a couple things there, but what have you liked? What, what don't you like? Um, I think you're, you're starting to see over the last couple of weeks uh, Mauricio Pochettino's attacking strategy start to come into focus. And then that first half, they were really, really good. The press was really good, and they were pressing with their midfielders. Wijnaldum is here because he can initiate press from his advanced midfield position. That's why he's here. It's what he did at Liverpool. It's what he's going to do here. And you notice anytime PSG lost the ball in – the opponent's third, you had Idrissa Gay, you had Jorginho Wijnaldum coming in and pressing hard and giving help to those front three guys who are not the best pressers in the world, but you also were able to see those guys track back defensively as well. There were a few times when Mbappe was tracking back, when Neymar was tracking back on the wings, and they're not going to do that every single game, every single minute of every single game, but you saw in the first half, they looked pretty solid in that press and they're going to need to be able to do that against good teams because that's what good teams in uh these champions league matches do they're able to press and it's been psg's weakness for a long time where they just don't press well they're just not good at it um they haven't had the midfielders to do it they haven't had the attack play kind of players that can uh that can handle that and now i think you're seeing that at least the idea is starting to come into play and as this game looks like the whistle's about to get blown on it, um, you're seeing it now. Um, and hopefully they can continue to sustain that. Second half, again, a little bit leaky in, 
on the defensive side, but um, no goals. And that's really the important thing, right? I mean, we're looking for this team to get better defensively. Marquinhos came in and instantly, um, instantly they looked better. There are still flaws here, obviously, but he looked better and the team looked better and they looked like they were making the right runs. They looked like they were, they were covering runs better. Um, those headers in the box are going to be a problem. And when you play Kaylor Navas, who's yes. a great world-class goalie, the one thing he's not going to do is come off his line on those 50-50 balls. He's not really big enough, and it's not really his game. So if you're going to be weak in the air on headers, you know, four of the well, – three of the five goals have been headers that PSG have given up. It might even be four out of the five. It, it's – the majority of their goals have been sort of – not set, set piece per se, but – you know, ball into the box headers. And if you, you know, have a goalie on the on the bench who's six five with, you know, with good reflexes who can come out and help your defense with that, then that might be the plan going forward. We'll see. But overall I think and we talk about Messi obviously uh, he had a few moments where he looked like Messi, but I think for the most part he was there to just get his legs under him. And I think a lot of those South Americans are going to use the international break as a chance to sort of get their legs under them. They'll play more minutes in those international games. Hopefully, knock on wood, nobody gets hurt. And they come back ready to go for uh, that game against Club Brugge in the Champions League. So they're in a good spot. I mean, it's it's a slow build. It's taken a few months, but Pochettino's sort of attacking vision is starting to show now. The question is, are they going to be able to sustain the, that kind of press? Are they, gonna be able, are they going to be able to do it when they need it late in games? Are they going to score enough goals where it really won't matter? That's possible. But so far... Uh, 12 goals scored, five conceded in league gun, uh, 12 points out of 12. And you really can't look at this team right now and say that there's big problems on the horizon because we're still really early. And right now it's about getting the players fit and getting the results while you do it. And that's a balance you have to strike. And PSG, I think, are striking that balance fairly well. You play Neymar for 65 minutes, Messi for about 30. Um, Di Maria gets about 80 minutes in that game. Verratti gets about 75. Um, they're not stre- – they're, they're using their depth in a good way to try to, to allocate the minutes and make sure that they're not wearing guys out. They're being careful with Messi, I think, which is smart – at the beginning, you want to kind of ease him in to all of this. You don't want to put too much on his shoulders right away. So strong, I think a strong 2 no win. The, the way they play, they're not going to shut teams down. They're not going to, they're not, they're probably going to give up goals in the majority of their games. If they play 38 league on games, they'll give up goals in probably 20 to 25 of them. But that doesn't mean that what they're doing isn't the right sort of strategy of how to play. And they're, they've gotten back, I think, to being aggressive, which is something they sort of lost in the 
in the Tomas Tuchel era where the team just wasn't offensively aggressive enough. They didn't create enough chances. I think this team is better on the counter and there's, they're uh, putting teams and pinning them in the other in their own third. And if they can keep this press up, if this isn't sort of a mirage and they can actually repeat this in a big match, then they're in really good shape because then you have all the pieces together. And that also covers for your defensive deficiencies, which, again, they're not going to be – this isn't going to be a dominant defensive team. Just get that out of your head. But – I mean, what did you see? I, I thought this was, you know, this is exactly what it needed to be, right? You know, everyone it's, staying yeah. healthy, 2-0, Mbappe with a brace. Yeah, it's hard to find any real fault with this performance. Just a couple things I want to point out. Again, we talked about the goalkeeper position. If, uh, you know, aerial attacks are, is a place where you're um, struggling, maybe having a 6-4, 6-5 goalkeeper in there would, would definitely help counterbalance some of your deficiencies there. Just throwing that out there. Uh, I've been calling for Donnarumma for a while now. I'd love to see him in there just to see what he can do to see if we can cut down on some of those header uh, headed goals. So that's number one. I thought Idrissi Gay, I saw a lot of chatter about him on Twitter. I thought he uh, played really well in the midfield, and I think he's a player that if as long as we're not depending on him to play a full 90, I think he's a great player to have who can come in and do a little something for you in the midfield. Um, we know about his work rate, so I thought he played really well. I do want to call out Verratti once again, picking up just unnecessary yellow before halftime. And um, I tweeted out that this is why PSG could really use a player like Kamavinga because it adds some more quality to your midfield that we don't really have. I, I just shouted out Idrissa Gay, but Kamavinga is on a different level. And with Verratti, yellow card accumulation, suspensions, and his long list of injuries, I just don't know. I, I love Verratti, but can you depend on him later in the Champions well, League? But he- well, first of all, Verratti's your top midfielder, whether Kamavinga comes in or not. He's your top midfielder, whether Paul Pogba comes in or not, to be honest, because that's mm-hmm. how they think of him. So he, he, that's what he's going to do. It's part of his game. He picks up yellow cards. Like You just kind of have to deal with it. It's not, it's not changing. It hasn't changed in eight years, so why, why, would, it, why would it all of a sudden change now? Um, I, it's just, yeah. I, I, think, I think with... Uh, the what the way they did the midfield today, I think it was smart. I think having uh, Gay and um, Wijnaldum able to press was um, was effective, and they sort of wore us down as the game went on. But you saw Wijnaldum be more involved in what PSG were doing, and that's a positive because it's going to take him a while to sort of figure out his role. And that, I, I think what you're going to see is his role is going to turn into what it was today. Which is you saw when teams would when Rhymes won the ball, Wijnaldum was the first guy really to to press, and he was he was able to win a few. He was able to sort of indirectly win a couple of balls that way, where the other team would try to get the ball out of their own end, and Wijnaldum would ride him from behind and you know force the ball you know off the initial guy, you know faster than you want to. And I think part of what PSG's strategy is going to be here is the press doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't always have to lead to a turnover. But what they have to be able to do and what they struggled with in the first few games here is when the other team wins the ball, they have to force the other team to not be get the ball across midfield quickly. Because what teams are going to try to do is they're going to try to win the ball and they're going to try to make two passes to get out 
and then look for that long diagonal ball to the wing and then have their attackers and midfielders running behind that initial pass, that long diagonal ball. And that's the way that they're going to try to beat PSG. So the way you defend that is to get that press going and have the ability to, um, and have the ability to get your defense set properly. And you saw that in the first half. PSG were in much better positions defensively. Their center backs were in better positions. And it just it helped everything out. It helped the rest of the team out. And Marquinhos was able to marshal that back line in a way where they weren't, you know, all over the place. And they really picked up most of the runners. The issue, again, was just balls in the air. Absolutely, and I'm seeing some statistics from the match come out. Messi completed 19 of his 20 passes, and then there was another photo of him getting poked in the eye. We saw him uh, hit the deck a few times. I'm really curious to get Messi's take on Ligue 1, maybe not after this match, but let's let's get a, a few 90 minutes, um, a couple games under his belt. I'm really curious to see what he thinks about the competition in Ligue 1. Um, he, people think Farmers League is the sixth best and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Messi did well. He, 19 of 20 passes completed and did some really nice things, but he didn't come on and score a hat trick or anything like that. So I think he's going to find this league really physical and a lot more difficult than people think. It's not the sixth. It's, it's a, that's, that's a joke. It's not the sixth best. Thing. I know. It's, yeah. that's, a, that's a joke. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's UEFA coefficients and those are bullshit anyway. So I, yeah, I mean, all you have to do is watch the league with your eyes to, to see that it's not the sixth best league. <laughs> yeah, but that's something the Madrid fans, um, especially La Liga fans, are really chirping on Twitter. Sixth best, blah, 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 right, Farmers right, League. Right. and Are we going to transition to that now? Let, let's get into it. We, we've talked about the 2-0 win over Reims. So let's get into the Kylian Mbappe situation. So we are, what is the window close on Tuesday? Um, Tuesday, at, yeah, at, at Tuesday, six o'clock our time. Yeah, okay. So less than forty-eight, about less, a little more than forty-eight hours. So, so let me just recap where we are, and then Mark, I'll let you take it from there. But he, basically, where we are is Real Madrid have made a number of offers. I think the most recent one would have given PSG up to one hundred and eighty million euro, and, and PSG are basically ignoring them. They're like. No, we're not going to take the same or less than what we paid for him in 2017 from Monaco. And so that's sort of where we are. We've heard from Leonardo and said there's no change. And really, they're calm. I mean, they have a player that just scored a brace. Um, they're in no hurry to sell him. And they have their price that I think they would sell him for. And if Madrid wants him, they need to make that offer. For me, I'll give my thoughts on this real quick. I don't think PSG should sell at all. Unless they have Erling Haaland or someone like that, a Lewandowski lined up that they can bring immediately in, that money in the bank does them no good in the group stage where they they're gonna have to play Manchester City and, and Leipzig, and so I I don't see this deal getting done unless Real Madrid just offers stupid money, which I don't think they're gonna do because they could potentially get them on a free. So, what is your take on the Mbappe situation? This has all been a ginormous waste of time. This has been, <laughs> this is a ginormous waste of energy and brain cells. This whole thing has been a joke from the first minute to now for a lot of reasons. And I will try not to be all over the place here. I'll try to keep this as sort of linear as I can. But let me sort of weave the story for you here. 
to try to sort of get the context here. The context is important and the motivations behind the context are equally as important. Right now, Real Madrid is as irrelevant a sports franchise as it has ever been. I wanna make that point because it's valuable to make. They have never been less relevant in their history. Right now, who are the teams that are making the headlines? The both Manchester teams, City and United, Chelsea, PSG. Those are your top four right now. If you wanna say who are the teams that are taking up the headlines, who are the teams that are on the quote unquote island of relevancy? Those are the four teams. And somewhere in a distant fifth, based on sort of their name value alone, is Real Madrid. This year alone, they are trying to build, rebuild the Bernabeu, which is going to cost them an arm and a leg to do. They're doing it during a pandemic where they're already losing money, where they already are in significant amount of debt. They're not in Barcelona debt, but they're in debt. And Florentino Perez's miracle long shot Super League, which he thought he could bully people into joining and he could bully UEFA into caving to, fell flat on its face. That man has never been less relevant in world football. Who is the president of the ECA, the European Clubs Association? It's Nasser Al-Halifi. Who is the man who is at the right hand of Alexander Serafin, the head of UEFA? It's Nasser Al-Halifi. Who was the team that essentially stopped the Super League in its tracks? PSG and Bayern Munich, I'll give them that credit too. So here you are, Lionel Messi joins PSG. Sergio Ramos, the Real Madrid player, joins PSG. Jorginho Wijnaldum, Donnarumma, Hakimi, ex-Real Madrid player, etc., etc. PSG are the story right now. They are the relevant football franchise. Real Madrid are not. And what this was to me, and, I, and I'll say this, that this offer that Real Madrid made could have been made at any time over the last month. They could have made this three weeks ago. They could have made this a month ago. The reason they made it now is because Florentino Perez is not, he's a lot of things, but he's not an idiot. And he understands that PSG are the pop culture club right now. They are where the headlines are. They are where the money is. They're where the sponsorships are. They're where the fan attention is. They're where the gate revenue is. And Real Madrid right now are irrelevant. Their top player is Karim Benzema, who, quite frankly, is meh as a star. They have a, an aging core of, I wouldn't call them washed up, but I would call them aging, of Kroos, Marcelo, Casemiro, Modric, Danny Carvajal. This is not a young, up-and-coming, exciting project here in Real Madrid. Real Madrid are showing their age both on the field and off the field. And they know that 
if PSG, even for one year, trot out this Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi trident, that they will attract attention, they will attract money, sponsorships, prestige. And Lord knows if they win the Champions League, that's a big blow to Real Madrid. These are direct competitors in the global market. And Real Madrid understand that they are losing that battle. They are losing the, the battle of the global marketplace. So what do they do? They throw this sort of Hail Mary at the end of the window and say, we're going to throw so much money at PSG that PSG will have no choice but to say yes to our offer. And even if they don't say yes to our offer, we still disrupt them for a week. We still leak it through their very friendly media uh, side that Kylian Mbappe doesn't want to be at PSG, that he really wants to be at Real Madrid. So we'll disturb them anyway, and we'll grab headlines for the next week, and we'll be relevant too. We will ride PSG's coattails back to the island of relevancy. And that's what's going on here on the Real Madrid end of things. This is desperate. If they are so confident that Kylian Mbappe only wants to play at Real Madrid, just wait a year. Wait nine months. He's 22 years old. He's going to be 23 by the time you get him. That's 10-plus years of Kylian Mbappe at the Santiago Bernabeu scoring goals and making Real Madrid relevant again. That's what a smart club would do. That's what a club would do that has confidence. Let me not say smart. That's what a confident club would do. If Real Madrid were at all confident in themselves and not doubting their own relevancy, they wouldn't be even bothering doing this because it's desperate. It's pathetic to make this offer a week out It is a pathetic gesture for a club that was once the most prestigious, relevant club in the world. Now they're just, they're slipping. Let's say that. They're they're slipping a bit. And they know it. Florentino knows it. He's not going to be around forever. He's the old dog. He's the old, you know, he's the old lion. And Nasser is a force in world football. And... Florentino knows that this is the last hurrah. He needs Kylian Mbappe to get him Champions League trophies and to secure Florentino's legacy. So let's make a big offer. Let's, you know, hopefully there's no uh, small children or, or women on uh, listening to this, but, you know, pull out his, you know, pull out his Johnson and, you know, make a big power play to show that he's, bigger than Nasser and PSG. And if you're on the PSG end of this, hell no, you don't do this at all. Because you don't, did you, like, you watch that game. Kylian Mbappe is your goal scorer. He's going to score 40 goals this year. He's going to be the reason PSG win a Champions League or not. It's going to be his production in front of goal. You take him out of this lineup and you don't replace him? PSG do not get out of the quarterfinals of the Champions League. 100%. They may, and they'll probably still win League 1, but they'll barely win it. And 
it, it would be catastrophic. And you, what you would see are fans going, why do we get rid of Kylian Mbappe and not replace him? You know, what, what, you know, what are we doing with this 180 million euros that Real Madrid are giving to us at the end of the year? The offer is a poison chalice. You might as well be giving PSG monopoly money because you can't spend it. I mean, they already said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, let's see if Holland's available. They asked. Dortmund said no, and Dortmund's right to say no. I think their 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 director, Michael Zork, said this isn't a bank. It is right. It isn't a bank. And same thing with PSG. Are we a football club or not? Are we a big club or are we Real Madrid's, you know, are we, you know, are we Real Madrid's uh, lapdog? Are we their lackeys? Are we only there to supply Real Madrid with players? This is what I'm saying. This dynamic has to change. And sometimes you have to give up money to make a statement. And this is giving up money to make a statement. That PSG are not going to give Real Madrid one of their best players and sabotage their own season. They're going to go for this. And, hey, this might change in 24 hours. I don't know. And maybe I'll look stupid at the end of this. It wouldn't be the first time and it won't be the last. But it seems pretty obvious. He started. He played the full 90 minutes. If there was any sort of negotiations going on, they would not have played him. Because there is no way you make that risk. There is no way you take that risk. Because if Mbappe tears his knee or his Achilles, that deal's off anyway, and you lose him for free at the end of the year anyway. And Real Madrid in no way would, would make that deal at that point. So if there was any sort of negotiation happening, Killian was not going to play in that match. So the fact that he played, that he gave full effort, that he scored two goals, he celebrated both of those goals. This did not look like a player, as we sort of go to the Kylian Mbappe end of this. Kylian Mbappe has been unfairly derided during all of this. He has no obligation to allow PSG to recoup a fee for him. I don't care what he said when he was 17, 18 years old. He was a, you know, we say stupid things that we don't mean. Kylian is not said a word. He is not, you know, he, any leaking that we've had here, he's, they've basically said, look, he's fine either way. Send me to Real Madrid, I'll be good. Let me play with Leonardo, uh, Leo Messi for a year, I'll be great with that too. It's not that he wants to leave PSG, it's that his long-term vision and plan involves him going to Real Madrid and being the star there. And I don't fault him for that. If that's what he wants to do, fine. Because as adults, we are able to make decisions about our employment. So why shouldn't Kylian Mbappe have to, you know, be able to make a decision about his? I have no issue with that. And I think a lot of this leaking is coming from the Madrid camp. I think a lot of it is meant to sort of destabilize and turn the fans against Kylian Mbappe. But you saw it in that game. Did it look like he was he was half-assing it? Did it look like he didn't care? I mean, you can see it on that first goal, that header. I mean, he had to run into the box and kind of put his body on the line. And um, you don't get that from a player who's trying to stay uh, healthy and not pick up an injury ahead of a blockbuster transfer. No, he, he absolutely was given 100% there. I mean, he didn't come up with a mysterious hamstring injury midway through the match, did he? Like, no. so it's not Killian who's forcing this. It's Real Madrid who's really forcing this, kind of, and not even really 
going full out to do it, which is why I go back to my point. And as I sort of wrap this up, this has all been really stupid. It's just been a dumb week of dumb things and people trying to, you know, signal it, signal versus noise. It's people reacting to the noise and not understanding the long-term signal that is here. I mean, you we, we go back two years with uh, with Neymar wanting to leave to you know go back and play with Messi. Ironically enough, um, remember how everyone got crazy with that? How everybody you know. And I, I'm glad the ultras learned their lesson from that because they didn't seem to be getting on Kylian Mbappe a lot. He scored the goal. He ran over to that side. They weren't, you know, they weren't middle fingering him. They weren't booing him. Like, remember that when Neymar got that treatment and then everyone was saying, oh, we should sell him because he's disloyal and he doesn't want to be here and blah, 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 blah. And Nasser and Leonardo held their water. They didn't sell him for less than the value that they deemed him worth. And PSG have gotten a Champions League final and a Champions League semifinal over the last two years out of that decision. And they've signed Lionel Messi out of that decision. So the, the rule of thumb, if you're a top club, should be keep your top player unless they come in with a ridiculously stupid offer that allows you to replace that player. And that um, that has not been met. And... Therefore, it doesn't look like really Mbappe is going anywhere. I And I think you're right. And I think that Mbappe will stay here. I, all of your points. I mean, fantastic. Especially about Perez and Real Madrid being desperate. I've tweeted this out numerous times. It's like, imagine being a big club, in, in, or big club, as everyone likes to tell me on social media, and then you're planning for four years to sign one player, and you're basically hinging your future, your rebuild. Uh, you've got this renovated stadium. You're, you're hinging everything on this one player. It just is so desperate and unbecoming of a, a historically great team. And it's like, show some pride, you know, <laughs> like get it together. Also, again, to your point, why didn't Madrid make this earlier? This is seem this seems this you know making this bid late in the window, a week left, just seems a bit ridiculous, um, disingenuous. Also, I, and I think you're right. I think if PSG had a Holland or a Lewandowski, somebody like that, that they could replace Mbappe with the money, then I think they would sell Mbappe for 200 million. But outside of that, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all for PSG to sell right now. And, and let's also not give up on the fact that, like you said, with Neymar, PSG could realistically convince Mbappe. Maybe Mbappe says, you know what, I really enjoyed playing with Hakimi and uh, and Messi. Him and Hakimi especially, they, they linked up for a goal today, but they seem to be really getting on. You see a lot of photos of them on the training grounds and on their own social media. Maybe he enjoys it and says, sure, I'll sign another one-year extension. I, don't, I haven't given up on that. I don't think PSG fans uh, should either. Um, especially if he wins a Champions League, maybe he wants to run it back. I think a lot of things can change between now and, I guess, January when he could sign a pre-contract with Real Madrid. Look, if if Kylian Mbappe scores two goals in the Champions League final and PSG win the the Champions League and Mbappe rides off into the sunset as a hero, is anyone going to give a crap that they didn't get money for him? No. It's such a a petty kind of beta mentality to go 
oh, you know, we can't just resign him, so let's just give him away. Let's just give him away. And here's the problem with that. Yeah, you can be Liverpool and sell Philippe Coutinho for 140, 150, and use that money to help you build a top-level club, a Champions League winner. That's happened before. But then you can be Barcelona and get 222 million for Neymar and you know throw it away and and you know light it on fire and pee on it. Like that's what you, it can go either way. And I I retweeted sort of a of an old proverb that that's something along the lines of a bird in the hand is equal to two in the bush. The idea that you know what you're going to get with Mbappe this year, you know he gives you the best chance to win a Champions League. You know that's the entire goal and purpose of why you're there in the first place. So giving him up just so you can use that money to sign, you know, Alexander Isak or, you know, some Moise Keen or, you know, some, you know, trying to turn the, you know, trying to turn the dollar into four quarters is what you're trying to do. And that's not, and that rarely works. It rarely ever works. You need discipline. You need to pick the right guys, and you need to hit a home run on all of them. So you're selling Kylian Mbappe. You get that money, great. What do you do with that money? Who do you buy? Holland's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee you get Holland. It's not a guarantee you get Lewandowski. So then what are you stuck with? Then you're stuck with overpaying for mediocre players. That's what you're stuck with. You're stuck with what Barcelona had to do with buying players for more than they're worth in positions that they don't even fit into. And that's usually what happens because now teams know they can bend you over a barrel because you have all this money and you have to spend it. The worst thing to do is to have money and have to spend it because then you're in trouble. And that's where PSG would be. Because they'd have to spend it to justify, you know, the last, you know, the Neymar and Messi, and you're wasting a year of Messi. Why waste a year of Lionel Messi with a team that's not good? I'm telling you now, without Mbappe, they are not good enough to win the Champions League. You can kiss that goodbye. It's over. It's done. The season's over if you sell him. And you're basically waiting for the next year to possibly, maybe, Get Teo Hernandez, Paul Pogba, Erling Haaland. You're maybe possibly getting those players, but then those players are going to be in bit. You're going to be in bidding wars with other teams for those players. So you're going to have to drive up your your uh, proposed fee, and it just gets ridiculous. And you start playing this game where you're trying to make up for the elite player that you lost with money that you have to spend and that other teams know you have to spend, this is how teams get into trouble. Let me let me play devil's advocate for a second because if PSG don't sell, I agree with you. We've, get, we've got an amazing player, a great attack. I got all of that. But if you don't sell and Mbappe does go there on a free transfer next summer, then Madrid also have, let's just say, 180 million euro to then spend to build around Mbappe. Maybe a little less because he's going to require, you know, some lofty wages. But then could they get a Kamavinga, a Pogba, uh, Teo Hernandez? You know what I mean? They could start to use that money to build around Mbappe. That's one 
aspect to this that I think does need to be brought up. So what would you say to that, that, that Real Madrid would have a war chest basically to build around an amazing player that they got for free? It's not a – keeping Mbappe is not a perfect plan either. Like there's trade-offs to all of this. You can't – you have to weigh the pros and the cons. You have to, you have to weigh them on balance. And I think on balance, the unsure nature of what PSG can do with the money that they get, plus the fact that, again, Real Madrid could have made this offer three weeks ago. And if they had made this offer three weeks ago and PSG would have had time to sort of restructure the way they wanted to work their window and they could have gotten in contact with Lewandowski or Holland earlier in the window, then I think that calculus starts to make sense for selling him. But Real Madrid didn't do that. They waited till the last week, till it was almost nearly impossible for PSG to find a replacement. And that's where the dynamics here change. And getting Lionel Messi also changes the dynamic. Because if you didn't get Lionel Messi and all you had were Neymar and Mbappe, then I start to think, okay, you can't afford to let Mbappe leave for free because then you're only left with Neymar as your you know, top-line player. And at that point, you now have to get multiple players to fill the gap. And you need as much money as you can so that you can build the team around Neymar and you can give yourself multiple opportunities to make it work. Now, once you get Lionel Messi, now you have three years of Messi alongside Neymar. And if you lose Mbappe for free, you still have the ability to sign a number nine and adjust the way that you play, you know, maybe Lewandowski comes in then. Maybe you, you're able to sign somebody who can complement those two. He's not killing Mbappe, obviously, but it gives you time to at least figure it out and find someone, you know, like a Luis Suarez type. I'm not saying Luis Suarez, but Luis Suarez isn't this like all time great. He's a very good, he was a very good player in his prime, but what he did at Barcelona was basically make the runs and be, you know, be in the right place at the right time. And that's what you would need from an Mbappe replacement is you change the way the team played. And I think you can make that change next year without giving up Mbappe now. I don't think that with Messi and Neymar, you don't have to rebuild the team. You know what I'm saying? If you only had Neymar and Mbappe and then you lose Mbappe, you would have to completely make over the team. And you would need funds to do that. Now that you have Messi and Neymar, if you lose Mbappe, you don't have to completely remake the team. You can tweak the team and you can put a nine in there that complements those two. And you can adjust. And it doesn't cost that much money to make that adjustment. You could get Lewandowski for 50, 60 million, or maybe even less at that point. And he'd be 34, 
but you'd still have two good years left with Messi. He wouldn't have to do as much as he did at Bayern, and he'd basically have to be in the right place at the right time, and you make that work. So that's where I'm not. That's where I say yes. If the circumstances were different, selling Mbappe would probably be the smart thing to do, because you'd have to completely rebuild the way the team. I'm repeating myself, but you get my point. Yeah, and I think that's why I've been saying Holland from a, he would be the perfect nine with Messi and Neymar. I think he would be the perfect signing if you get rid of Mbappe if Dortmund were willing to sell. I still contend that on Dortmund's side, if you wave two hundred million in their face, I know they're not a bank, but I, I think they'd have to take it because his buyout clause is going to be between seventy five million to a hundred million next season, uh, next summer. And surely some big club is going to pay that. And if they could get double that amount right now, why the hell wouldn't they sell? I mean, if it was Bayern Munich, they would sell and lick their boots at the same time. So it's like, I I can't imagine they would say no. I I get you're not a bank. But he is the only player that I think would make sense from on the pitch as well as off the pitch. Because you would not allow, to your earlier point, you would not allow Real Madrid to steal the headlines, to take some of that shine away from PSG in the transfer window that PSG has dominated. Halan would be the only acceptable replacement for Mbappe at this point. And if he's not available, if he's not going to go... You just you hold on to Mbappe and you just yeah. go go to see. Yeah, them. and here's a little uh, a little kind of breaking news here. So um, Pochettino, this is on, uh, and I just want to give a shout out to the whoever runs the PSG Hub account. I yeah, think they've yeah. been the I think they've been the MVP of the last two months. I think having a site like a news aggregation Twitter account devoted to PSG in English without having to go through like the get French football news mm-hmm. lens. Mm-hmm. I think having it from a PSG lens is really invaluable. And it's basically the only place I've gone to look for rumors. Cause I trust that they're going to put the, you know, I trust the person that runs this, that they're not going to just be off the reservation with the kind of rumors that they post. Right. So here, here we go. So Pochettino about Mbappe. So this is a direct quote. Uh, Killian is our player. You know the football industry is full of rumors. Our president and sporting director have been clear. He is with us. I am very happy. One of the most important players in the world. So I don't know how many more times PSG have to say this. How many people on PSG's, you know, in PSG's hierarchy have to say this. I think they're making this opinion clear. I think they're, you know, it's like... You know, it's it's like get away from me, stalker. Like we we're we're, we're good. We like you know hunt. You know, keep your distance. Like six feet, bro. You know, that's what I, I feel like. That's what they're trying to well, say. Like, let, let me let me ask you this, let me ask you this question because I, I think this is what has happened. This late bid came in, and it's also it has come in at the same time that we learned that Mbappe is at least told Leonardo and Nasser that he does not intend to sign an extension. He's turned down three of them, I believe, and so. How do you feel about this coordinated move between Mbappe and Real Madrid? Between Mbappe saying he's not going to sign, and then Madrid comes in with this. Well, no, 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 no. Mbappe, okay, Mbappe never came out publicly and said he wasn't going to sign. But Leonardo only said it recently. Well, Leonardo kind of said it. He sort of said it, but he didn't. If you read the, if you pull up the Leonardo quote, he didn't directly say it. He sort of said it indirect. Like you got to go to the full context of it. He sort of said, 
you know, hey, if if he doesn't want to sign, or you know, he, he kind of said it in a way where it wasn't like Killian. You know, he didn't say Killian directly told me he doesn't want to sign a contract extension, because then you lose all your leverage. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get, he kind of said it, but. Um, well, I got the quote here. So he says, the question was, does Mbappe want to leave? He says, Kylian Mbappe wants to leave, and that much is clear. Our position is clear. We won't sell in the final week of the window, as that would upset our planning. So he he said, and this was four days ago, that Kylian Mbappe wants to leave, and that much is clear. My question is, when did that become clear? If it was right around the time when, when Madrid made these offers, I don't like that. I don't like that Madrid is, is working with Mbappe to come up with this coordinated attack to force PSG in, into something that they don't want to do, which so far they haven't, but I just don't like that. and It, it looks suspicious to me. It's not great, but I think, I think what he's saying is, well, I think what you'd call inf- inferring. And what I mean is, if Kylian Mbappe has turned down two, three contract extensions, it's pretty clear he doesn't necessarily want to stay. Like, I don't think there's been this big... I don't think this has been Kylian working behind the scenes to try to orchestrate a move out of the club. Because that doesn't make any sense either. Because if he does, why wouldn't he want to move next year for free when they could use that money to build around him? He doesn't want to play with, you know, I don't think he wants to play with Modric and Kroos for the next five years. Like, I think he wants, <laughs> I think he wants to, like, build a, a team around him. And I don't think he minds playing with Messi and Neymar. Again, I think this is more a thing of he wants to make the move when he wants to make the move. He wants, he, he his plan was always to stay at PSG for four or five years and leave. And he's sticking to the plan. And he's, again, I don't think, like, I know I'm sort of, it's almost like sort of debating the definition of what the word is means. But it's like, I don't think there's this coordinated, I want to leave, get me out of here now, you know, kind of thing going on here. I think what's going on here is Killian is saying, and not, he's sort of saying it, but not saying it. But what he's saying is, look, I, I I'm I like it here. It was a great four years, great five years. I want to go do something else at the end of this contract. So it's your decision whether you want to get something for me at the end of the fourth year or if you want me to leave at the end of the fifth year. And to me, that's a very reasonable position. I don't think that's irre- unreasonable. I think that's I, I think, think that's exactly what he sort of I think that was sort of tacitly what we all thought this this um, arrangement was from the beginning. I don't think he's ever um, made it sort of feel like he was ever going to extend. I don't think there were ever quotes where he said he was wanted to be at PSG for the rest of his career. I don't think he's duplicitous. I don't think he's lying. I think he's sticking to a plan that I think PSG felt that they could talk him out of and they obviously haven't been able to talk him out of it. So we've been on this for a while, but you get, I don't see Killian as a villain here. I see him as somebody who's willing to stay with his, on his course and is good either way. And you could tell he's good either way. He's not given the play. His, he's, he's, showing up he's working hard he's not like harry kane who skipped you know we talk about the the great you know saint harry kane who didn't show up to training for two weeks because he wanted to force a move that's not what's going on here 
Killian's at every training session. He played the game today 100%, played all 96 minutes of it. So it really is, it's really in PSG's court, and PSG made its call, I think, on this. I, and this will be, you know, my final thoughts on this, and then we can move on to the Champions League draw. And what I would say is that everyone says it's always been Mbappe's dream to play for Real Madrid and, and all of this. Back when Mbappe was growing up, PSG wasn't the club that they are today. And even when Mbappe joined the team in 2017, Messi wasn't in the picture. And I think maybe Mbappe's not the villain, but it definitely comes across as that he wants to leave due to ego. That he does not want to be in a team with Messi and Neymar. Similar to the reason why Neymar wanted to leave and get out from Messi's shadow. But that's what I think people have an issue with. I, I don't see why you wouldn't sign a one-year extension and guarantee yourself. Because Messi has a two-year deal. And guarantee yourself the next two years you're playing with Neymar and Messi. Two of the greatest footballers of all time. Two incredible talents. And for you to want to go to Real Madrid now to play with, as you said, Modric and Cruz and, and Benzema... Players that are just on a tier down from those two. Let's just be honest. And yeah. so when you want to go and do that, people start to question, do you really want to win or is it about you and you getting the spotlight? I think that's why yeah, people have an issue with him. I, I think that's fair because they were leaking – his camp was leaking that you know, Killian wanted a – what was the term? A, 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 project. a solid sporting project. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, they, they did that not knowing that PSG could actually sign all these people in the window. And then once PSG do it, they look like fools and idiots. And it's like, okay, now, now you have the sporting project. What's your excuse now? And I think what he should do, I really believe this, is that once this is blown over like next two days, just come out and say, look, this is what I want to do with my career. I'm not... I'm invested in PSG for this year. I'm going to try to get this club to the Champions League trophy. And I want to leave as a Champions League winner. I want to, you know, I want to deliver what I promised I was going to deliver. And then I'm going to move on. And it's not anything against PSG. It's not anything against Neymar. And there is something about, you know, wanting to be the top player at a club. That's not nothing. That's not him being unbelievably selfish. This is what, you know, this is what players want. This is what players want to have. Like a Ronaldo kind of players, you know, this is what they do. They, they look to be the man and they look for new challenges. So I, I can't fault him for that. The thing again, and I agree with this to an extent, is I think they should never have put out that sporting project nonsense. Because that was nonsense from the beginning, and it made him look it made him look even more stupid afterwards. So I think they need to backtrack that in his camp, and you know, as this saga comes to an end, I think Killian needs to be honest and clear with the fans what this year is, and I think people will get behind him in pursuit of that trophy. And, I mean, we, we start talking about the, the draw. I mean, September 15th, they're playing Club Brugge. Um, look, PSG have Messi, Neymar, and 95% sure they're going to have Mbappe. I'm not worried about them getting out of that group. That's This is yeah, not an no. issue we should really be worried about. They're gonna the, uh, Leipzig is not the same team it was. They don't have Nagelsmann anymore. Um, Brugge is – they're what they are. 
So you imagine they're going to get at the worst 10 points out of those four games at the worst, probably 10 out of those four. Um, then I think it's important that they take a game off city. I think they Absolutely. need to, I think they need to make that statement because city has city kind of took them apart. That PSG had a great first half in the first leg. And then ever pretty much after that, they got taken apart. I think they, I think they played too defensively in that in that match. I think they were too. They tried to get out of there one one. And you're at home. They should have tried to get. They should have really tried to get two or three. You you know the way Monaco played them in 2017 is really what you should do is you should try to score as many as you can. Don't worry so much about the goals. Um, no away goal rule this year. Oh, so, that's a good point. Well, let, let's, mean, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter as much in the group stage, but they shouldn't be trying to like, you know, they shouldn't be trying to protect the lead in a game. They should just, you know, try to get three, four goals and try to match them. Even if you draw four, four, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely. And, and let's just re- real quick as we trans transfer into the Champions League uh, chatter to wrap up the podcast, just to, you know, Group A, that's where PSG find themselves. They're with Manchester City, Leipzig, and Bruges. Um, looking at some of these other groups, um, you know, Group E with Bayern and Barcelona and Benfica on the PSG Talking Podcast. Mel was saying he doesn't think Barcelona will get out of that group. I think that's certainly a really good possibility. I like Benfica there. Um, Man United, Atalanta, Villarreal, that's a really tough group. I think Lille... You know, look at our French compatriots here. Um, I think they have a good chance of getting out of Group G. We def- definitely need them to, to help with that coefficient, as we talked about earlier. Um, so it, you, you kind of gave your thoughts on PSG in this group. I think there's really no fear that we wouldn't get out of this group. But looking around at the other ones, are, is there a group that you'll be keeping your eye on? Any surprises that you think could happen? Um, any su- I got to run through those groups again, but I, I think Barcelona might be in a little bit of trouble. Although I think they're, they, I think they're going to get an early boost here. I think they're going to. Um, I don't think I don't think the the cracks are going to start to show until a little bit further down the road with that. So um, they might be able to sneak through again. It's hard to have a team really get like it's hard to have to see. In group stages, again, it's the, the rule I always talk about every year, which is get 10 points and you're in. 10 points out of six games, and you're you're pretty much automatically in. I don't think any team's ever had 10 points and not made it. I think there have been teams with nine that haven't made it, but you got to basically have to win three of the, half the games and then draw one of them. And that's pretty low bar for most of these teams. And, again, the group stage is basically set up for the top two teams to make it. That's what it's set up for. It's not there to spawn upsets. Like, you know, that team is with the sheriff's badge in the <laughs> from Moldova. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're. It's not designed for them to to qualify into the round of thirty-two or the round of sixteen. Like, that's not what that group stage is set up to do. So. I'm not too worried. It doesn't take too much to talk about. It's just, you know, I think they need to be impressive, at least against City in one game. They can lose one against City's really good. So if they lose a game to City, it's not the end of the world. But, like, you want to take a game off them. You want to kind of be even with them, I think. I think that would be realistic. You know, both teams end up with, like, 15 points, and then maybe City wins on goal differential. It doesn't really matter. 
PSG are good enough where it's not it's not important who um, it's not important who finishes first and second. Really, I don't think. Yeah, and that first game against City is going to be at the Parc des Princes on September twenty eighth. So looking ahead to that, that'll be a fun match. Like you said, I, th- I think we got to at least beat them once. Um, I think Group B: Atletico, Liverpool, Porto, and AC Milan. That could be really entertaining. I don't know. Maybe you think Liverpool, but Atletico with their defense. Porto, I think, are no scrubs, and Milan could surprise. I think Group B is, might even be more of a group of death than PSG's group. Um, Leipzig, they're currently looking to sell Sabitzer to, um, was it Bayern Munich, uh, who also yeah, got their, their of, manager? Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I think of Leipzig course. could be kind of a, a dud there. And, hey, if, if um, Mbappe does leave, then he'll go to Real Madrid and be in Group D and have to play Inter, who have basically sold all of their players, and Shakhtar Donetsk over what, their Ukraine, and then Sheriff in uh, Moldova. So some interesting yeah. destinations. My whole complaint with this Champions League group thing is it's just it's, it gets boring, these group stages, at least for PSG. It seems like it's the same same group every year. We never get any new teams, so it's frustrating from that point of view. Um, it, it, it is nice that we'll avoid Manchester City for the group of 16, um, assuming PSG get out, which I think is fair. But I, I don't think, you know, May, my thing is I, I think the Champions League draw is rigged. It just absolutely is. And I think if PSG can draw Real Madrid in the next round, would be amazing. In the round of 16, I think that would be probably one of the most watched football matches of all time with Mbappe going up against Real Madrid. That would be fantastic. So hopefully we get to see that. Hopefully we see Lille advance. Hopefully we see Barcelona and their fans who are chanting uh, Puta PSG during their game today against some crap Spanish side. My how the the tables have turned on that one. (laughs) I mean, really. Uh, You know, the the fact that their fans are – what did PSG do? Like, are, are they saying we should have not signed him and let Barcelona have a free run? Is that what they think we should have? Like, I'd love to hear the psychology behind that. <laughs> Unless that's just sort of like, you know, just a thing that they are going to chant now. Yeah. Like, just sort of a, a rivalry chant, you know. I think but, it's, okay. yeah. I, I, I just want to say the, the Spanish teams are just so grimy. And they get on PSG. What did PSG do with Neymar? They paid your buyout. They didn't set the buyout. If you want to get on them for be having money, okay. But they paid the buyout. Nothing sketchy. They didn't plan for four years to do this crap. And then look at Real Madrid and what they're doing. Just just grimy, low-down, coordinating with players, contacting them when they're not really supposed to. And what did what did PSG do with Messi? Messi called PSG. His, the, his dad called PSG. What has PSG ever done to deserve any animosity from the Spanish clubs? When it's them, in fact, who are constantly just doing... The low-down, grimy things that they do with the media, contacting players, tapping them up. Just just two awful clubs, and I, I just despise them. But as we get ready to get out of here, if you want to give a, a couple last shots here in, uh, that would be great. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, a, a couple things I just wanted to mention as, as we sort of go out. Um, Sergio Rico, Rafinha, and... Um, Pablo Sarabia were left off the off the squad. So if you're looking for three players to leave at the end of the window, those three seem to make sense. Um, yeah, I don't think Sarabi is getting minutes. Uh, I think the team's basically set. I don't see any, any incomings. I, I would like to just say one little thing. I'd like to sort of just 
we take a moment and just acknowledge the death of Arsenal Football Club. I think we need to do that. And it's not funny. Don't laugh. It's not funny. Um, no, but it's it's interesting to me how bad it can get if you're not careful. If you don't take care of the club, if you don't make the right decisions, if you let the rot spread for nearly a decade where it can go. And you see Barcelona is sort of like they're, where Arsenal They're going was down that path. They're going down that they're path. They're going down that path and they have to pull themselves out. And you, you see where it can go when it goes wrong. When it just, you know, when it, like AC Milan for a while was like that, where, you know, AC Milan was the biggest club in the world in the late 2000s. And it just went down the hill. And this is what happens with cycles. And you have to be careful that you're going to have, you're going to have dips like Manchester United over the last five, six years. I wouldn't say they've crashed. They've been top four pretty much every year. They're in the, either in the Europa or the Champions League. They haven't crashed. They've just dipped a little. And there are going to be years where you get a little dip, but you can't allow the dip to just continue to turn into this cavernous hole where Arsenal are right now. And I don't think Barcelona will ever get to that point where they're like 10th in the league. I, I don't see that happening. I think they have enough smart football people there that they'll be able to pull out of that before that happens. But, you know, it's, you can see where it can possibly go. And, you know, it's interesting to have something like Arsenal TV, like document that in real time. Like that's fascinating to me. I find it psychologically, like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they realize where they are, how low they, how low they've really gone. Like they're basically West Ham and Everton. Like that's that, where they that's are. That's offensive to West Ham and Everton. But that's where they are. They're West Ham and Everton. They're they're a mid-table team that you know will beat the they not they may not even beat the teams below them. But it's like they're a five hundred team, and that's what happens when you let the thing rot and you don't you can't pull the nose up of the plane. So I wanted to make that point because I, I think it's always fascinating to see that. Um, and I think that's really it. Those are the two big things, unless you have anything else you want to touch on. We're about past the hour mark here. Yeah, no, just shout out to Claremont Foot, uh, holding steady in third place. Who would have thought? Newly promoted side hanging in there. And Angers in second place after four matches. So we're seeing some, some new teams, at least early on here in the season, bubble up to the top. Um, Anything? I guess we haven't talked since that huge brawl between Nice and Marseille. I mean, any any thoughts on on that? That malice at the palace type event that we saw a couple weeks ago. Well, the the funny thing is, you know, about French football. It's not really funny, but you know, the malice at the palace. I I remember watching that in two thousand and four. Yeah, same here. And that and that changed basketball. Like that changed a lot of what basketball. You know, it really did. It like. It almost kicked off the modern era of basketball. It was such a 
seismic event that it, it really did sort of change the way the sport was for a while. And it was this big thing. People got arrested. There were lawsuits. You know, they were they were going to there's a documentary about it on Netflix. But, um, you know, they were trying to arrest Jermaine O'Neal in the locker room. And, and like that was it, that was it, it was a massive culture changing event in America, in American sports. In France, it's just Sunday. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just another day in League One, and that's not good, because in all seriousness, someday someone's gonna die during one of these things. Yeah. Someone's gonna get seriously injured. You know, a, a fan is gonna bring a knife onto the field, and one of these players is gonna get stabbed. And we can't say that it wasn't coming. You can't say that we weren't warned that this was a possibility. And I, I, I look at it like the Nice play, the Nice fans were barbarians. They were thugs. They were throwing stuff on the field the whole the whole match. And I understand Dimitri Payet getting mad, but you can't throw stuff back. You have to you have to walk away. Mm-hmm. You cannot start a you cannot. Start start a brawl like that because that's when it gets that's when it gets dangerous and Mm -hmm. you put your teammates at risk you should walk off the field and refuse to play until those fans are removed and alvaro kicking a ball into the stands he's another hothead and that's going to be a problem with marseille i'll say as a completely objective person in this matter genduzzi is a hothead too there wants to fight everybody like, they, this is a club that has zero discipline. And I'm genuinely concerned when PSG go to the Velodrome. I don't think they should have fans in that. And I really think PSG should call for that match to be closed door. Mm-hmm. And PSG will have to make their match closed door for it to be fair at home. But it's just like, can you risk that? Because Marseille fans have thrown shit on the field before at Neymar oh, yeah. multiple oh, yeah. times. Yep. And I'm sorry, Sampaioli is not a grown-up. He's not a grown-up human. He's a he's a man baby. He's a man. Alvaro, <laughs> Alvaro Gonzalez is a hothead. Pyatt usually doesn't do that crap, but he can be a hothead. Hinduzi doesn't know how to shut his mouth, and there's nobody in charge there that's going to stop that from being an out of control situation. And yeah, I think what should have happened is I think that game should have been forfeited by Nice. I genuinely do. I think the Nice fans d- instigated it. They came onto the field. It was a one nothing match. I think that game either should be it either should just be a nil nil draw and they just call it a nil nil draw in the books, or Marseille gets the three points. Yeah. There's no way that Marseille should have been for Marseille left and they should have left. There's no way they should have been they should have had to come on the field in that situation. And the fact that they called that a, at, the, at the time a 3 nothing win for Nice is just that's, – that's disgraceful. That's just – and I think they're going to rectify that. I don't think that's going to stand. Yeah, that's they have just, to. That's just – that's a comedy because now <laughs> anyone – now yes. you're just inviting fans onto the field mm-hmm. at that point. If you can get a victory out of it because you scare the other team off the field. Yeah, you can't have that. You can't have that. No. So I hope people come to their senses on that. I don't think they've actually counted it. As an official game yet, I think they're waiting for the ruling. So hopefully they do the right thing. 
do the right thing. And then lastly, um, just what, about going back where we started, this match against PSG and, and Reem, uh really interested to see what the ratings are like for BN Sports with Messi's debut. I anticipate when he starts next week, um, or I guess when's the next match here, on uh, September 12th against uh, yeah. Claremont Foot. Uh, if he's starting in that match at the, the Parc des Princes, uh, I think the ratings will be a lot higher. But as we kind of talk about every so often, the media and ratings and TV rights and all of that, really interested to see if people are finding being sports here in the United States and if they're tuning in, if, if the draw of Messi is pulling people in or are they finding illegal streams somewhere. Just curious what the viewership of League On is going to be now. Yeah with Messi here in the U.S. So we don't yeah, know and, that and right now. But. Not, not to delay this anymore, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing. Um, I think they need to – I think if they're going to – if League Gun's going to be their league, they got to be more um, – they got to be more – what's the word? They have to be more knowledgeable. Yeah. Like, you know, Thomas Rongen's got to prep before the match. Like, he, he doesn't look like he even preps. He just kind of goes out there and wins. He, he's got to pick and, out and that Phil bow tie. And Phil Shane, for the most part, is a professional sports announcer. And he was able to sort of direct Ray Hudson, who's not who's a personality. He's not really a great sports announcer. But Ron, got to, if Rongen's going to be their, their color analyst, he's got to step it up. He's got to know that. He's got to know the league. He's got to know the teams, know the league, and you can tell he doesn't. And he's going to have to step that up. And I say that as constructive criticism, not as, you know, because he's never had to watch, really watch the gun before. He's had to watch PSG a few times. But, he, you know, they're going to have to pivot. They're going to have to be knowledgeable about the league because if they don't care about it and they're just, you know, half-assing it and not knowing who's starting and, you know, not understanding who's hurt and who's not and just things like that. It just let's yeah. let's, let's let's pick up the professionalism a little bit. Pick it up. Pick it up. Uh, and the other thing, like at the beginning of the match they had, you know, the starting eleven or whatever and Marquinhos, Verratti, Neymar, and Idrisa Gay, Di Maria well, all had yeah, all had well, like this robot they, face. That's because they all they all miss picture day. They all miss League on Picture Day. Use an old picture, for God's sake. There's a Google image search. Don't use this like blank stupid like i don't know mannequin face that they have uh instead yeah. for neymar it's <laughs> that was kind of weird yeah I'll, I'll admit that was pretty weird it's weird yeah who cares if it was picture day google image search so or pull something off of their social media i don't know call the club i'm sure they have something they wouldn't mind you using because that looked ridiculous but up the production value get better announcers be in sports figure it no, out just wrong and wrong and just has to know what he's talking just like Follow the league. Like do do prep work. Yeah. Be it Mark Damon is available for color commentary if I you want to reach do that. out. No, I, I do not want to do that. That is not that is not a skill I, I, I wanna that's not an avenue I want to ever pursue. Fine, I'll do it. I'll do it and I'll just bash Barcelona the whole time. Yeah. And Real Madrid. All right. <laughs> They'll love that. All right, man, we are over the hour. Mark Damon, how can people find you on Twitter, especially Madrid fans who want to come at you and tell you why you're wrong and tell you that our club well, is shit and has no history? Well, they can use the they can find me at Mark Damon Nine and use the hashtag Fake Madrid. Fake Madrid. Hashtag it up. Let's get it trending. I am at um, you can find me they're on not Twitter. The real, they're, they're not the real Madrid. Atletico no. is the real Madrid. Real Madrid are the fake Madrid. Exactly. No, better you couldn't have said it better. And I am at PSG 
Talk. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to PSG Talking, our other podcast. Thank you for reading our website, interacting with us on social media. We appreciate it. Um, and until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye, everyone. Au revoir for now. <laughs>